good to see you all this morning. If you would, or if you are able, you can stand with us. We're going to sing. Just going to say a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this opportunity to gather together as your people, to worship you, to just be in your presence, to be in community, to hear from your word. Lord, I just ask that you would be with those who couldn't be here today, those who are sick and struggling, God. I thank you, Holy Spirit. You are the comforter. So I ask this morning that you would come, that you would comfort those who need it, that you would give strength to us in our weakness, Just ask that you would help us to fix our eyes on you, that we wouldn't be distracted by the waves. Jesus, that we would seek your face this morning, that we would find you. Amen. Let's do it today. Jesus, there's no 
power of our God. You shine in the shadows. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. And almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. And almighty fortress, you go before us. Call to worship from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 through 7. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Come, Holy Spirit, to my mind. I receive your comfort. Come, Holy Spirit, to my heart. I receive your peace. Come, Holy Spirit, to my soul. I receive the Father's love for me. Amen. The first part of that from Deuteronomy, that prayer is called the Shema. It's a prayer that the Jewish people recite a lot. We remember Jesus quoted it. It's something for us to remember when we're struggling, when we're having a hard time. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. I chose this song specifically because... Whether you know or you don't know, I've had a really hard several weeks, but I love this song because the truth that we sing, be my vision, Lord. That he is what we see. He is where we look. Not to the things around us, not to our circumstances. The Lord of our heart, we ask today, Amen. Let's sing this together.
think you guys know this song. I haven't done it with you before, but it's old, and I think you've done it. So hopefully you know it. If you don't, just follow along. It's easy, and it repeats itself a lot. So you're welcome.
This is a new one that you guys probably don't know. But all week, this song has been in my heart. And just wanted to share it with you guys. I think it'll minister to you. Sing along if you can. It's easy. If not, just let us sing it over you. And just let these words really permeate your heart. Amen. Jesus is better, make my 
again. Let's just sing it together one more time. Glory, glory, we have no other king but Jesus, Lord of all. We raise the anthem, our loudest praises ring, we crown him Amen. I'm glad you did that because that's kind of what I wanted to do too, <laughs> especially uh, just in preparation of today's sermon. Um, the songs really did a great job at kind of preparing us for the message this morning, and really today will just be an invitation, one more invitation for us as followers of Jesus to declare that he is king of our lives, and if he is king of our lives, then this is how we will live. That's essentially what we're going to be doing, just spoiler alert. We are going to be declaring that if Jesus is king, if, if he is the Lord and leader of my life, then this is how I am going to live. And so I'm just going to pray, and I'm going to ask you to join me this morning to, to, I'm going to pray that the Lord would open up our hearts to hear that message and to come together again to say, yes, Jesus is Lord of all. 
over everything in my life, over any comfort, over any uh, enticing riches that, that want to lure me in, right? Over anything attractional that this world has to offer. Instead, we are going to declare again through the power of the Holy Spirit that moves in our hearts, it's Jesus that is Lord of all. And so I want to ask that you would just pray that God would just help us to receive that message again. And I'm also going to ask that you would join me in prayer as, um, you know, last week was one of those weird weeks where it just felt like by the time I stood here this time last week, so many things had unfolded that we learned about in such a short period of time. And it's been kind of crazy even since then. And so there's just so much going on that we need to come together and pray for as a church family, uh, lifting up those in our midst who are hurting, who are struggling, who just might need us to, to come and lift their hands, their arms for them, if you remember us talking about that. Uh, As always, you are invited to come forward and pray at these altars. That is always just an invitation for you to step out, to to meet your Lord in just a, a different kind of a space, stepping out saying, here I am, Lord, would you meet me here? I'm stepping out just a little bit forward, and I'm bringing myself before you openly and honestly, all that I am, and I'm asking you, Lord, to meet me here. You are, you are welcome to come and do that this morning. I just want to invite you to remember those around you who are struggling. We rejoice for the ways that God has moved this week. There is so much uh, that he deserves our praise for. Phil is one of them as he is coming forward. Phil, we just praise the Lord. I don't know how many of you saw that, but... I mean, at one point, it's Phil has hit his eye, and it's bad. There's a hole. He needs emergency surgery. He's being rushed to St. Louis. And within the matter of 12 hours, by the time I went to sleep to the time I woke up the next morning, it's, nope, it was just an abrasion. He doesn't need surgery. Send him home with some eye drops. Friends, can you say, praise the Lord? I felt like, what? Did I hear you wrong last night, Jean? I don't understand, but praise the Lord. And and Phil and I talked earlier this morning, and you just know, he knows that that was a touch of God. And friends, I don't know if you know this, but scripture says that if we are silent, that if we withhold back our praises, what happens? The rocks cry out. Friends, God is worthy of our praise this morning And so we cry out to him, we praise him. So would you join me as we pray to God and praise our God this morning? Heavenly Father, we are just so grateful, God, for your presence that has already been so evident in this place that has met us here once again. God, thank you that you bless the the preparation of songs and in a gathering time, thank you, God, that you bless our efforts, that, that we put these things together, not out of duty or order, but God, we do it in hopes that, that we would have a sweet moment with you, that you would meet us here, that you would receive our praises, that you would hear the cries of our hearts, that we could come together with our community and worship you and call out to you and open up ourselves to you. And God, you are always ready to meet us here. 
So we thank you for that. God, we thank you for the incredible ways that you moved in the midst of our lives this week. God, there were so many prayers being lifted up on the behalf of this community. God, there are so many burdens that we are carrying. It just feels a little overwhelming at this moment. There is so much happening. God, we've seen chaos and we've seen despair and we've seen heartache and frustration and pain and physical sickness abounding. But God, in the midst of that, you have been present and you have made yourself known. God, we praise you for the ways that you moved miraculously this week. I'm just going to say it. God, we thank you for this miraculous intervention on Phil's behalf. We're going to give you credit where it's due. And God, we just know that at one point it was looking really, really bad. And moments later, it seems, God, everything changed. That is who you are. You are a God who sees, you are a God who hears, and you are a God who heals. And sometimes, God, we see that instantly, and in this case, we praise you, we thank you. God, our healer. God, we thank you for the ways that you are moving in Marcella's life this week as she is seeking guidance and direction. We, we praise you, God, for a smooth surgery for her, that that went well, and that she has been recovering beautifully, all things considered. God, we just thank you for how you are, are helping Karen and Mike and their family to know what to do to get her the best help that she can receive as she uh, is healing and, and recovering from this fall. And we, God, we just praise you for the way that you have made each step known to them. Thank you, God, for clarity when there was confusion and, and, and a little bit of of hesitancy hesitancy at the unknown. God, we thank you for, for making those steps known. God, we, we thank you that, that Donna is able to be here today, that after, after the week that she had and being in the hospital, God, we just praise you that she and Everett are well today and are able to be here. God, we know that they are still dealing with a lot of, of health issues, and so we just pray, we continue to pray, God, that you would touch them, Lord, strengthen them. God, would you just help them to experience your peace? We thank you for the ways that you have provided for them. It was a few months ago, God, that we were just praying for provision, and Lord, you have answered, you have provided what they've needed. God, it's a reminder that you always give us what we need. You are faithful, and we thank you. God, we take these moments and we just remember, we remember the rest of those in our midst who are, are dealing with loss. Lord, those who are grieving, God, would you comfort them? Draw near to them. Would you be their comfort today? 
God, we pray for those whose family members are sick. Lord, there are so many whose, whose family members are, are going through sickness and some are, are even not doing well, Lord. It's unknown what's going to happen to their lives. And so, God, in, in the midst of all of the unknown, would you just be present? Would you give peace? God, for those who are, whose, whose pain and struggling is more spiritual, emotional, God, we pray that you would show up. Would you reveal yourself in a powerful, beautiful way that one cannot miss you? God, we can't fabricate that. That's only something that you can do. God, I pray that you would do it. That you would be present in the hearts, especially the hearts of those who are longing, who are searching, who are just not sure what to think. Holy Spirit, would you just go before you just soften our hearts and draw us closer to you. God, I give you permission, even for those of us who, who don't have a, a lot of heavy things happening right now, maybe we're not struggling emotionally or spiritually, maybe it, for now it seems that things are calm and quiet. Dare we say, okay. God, I invite you and give you permission to, to come in, to move in a new and fresh way. God, would you just reignite our passion and our vision so that in such a way that, that when we would leave this place, that it would, it would be unmistakable, God, that, that there would be no denying that you have just done a new thing in us. May we never get to the place where we don't long for a new thing to be done in our hearts. God, you are always making things new. And God, we just pray that you would do that once again, here and now. God, we love you. We worship you this morning. If not with our voices, then in our hearts. God, we worship you. We praise you. You are Lord of all creation. God, your ways are, are vast and sometimes it boggles our minds. That God, even though you have created all things, and even though we sit in the mystery, the unknown, of how to fully comprehend that, that God, you also show up through Jesus, through the power of your, in the presence of your Holy Spirit, you show up and you make yourself known and we can experience the creator of the universe in such an intimate and beautiful way. God, we praise you for that. You are worthy of our praise and adoration. 
We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen. Amen. Well, today we are continuing in our series, week two of this series. Uh, We began last week called Deserted Disciplines. Um, I'm going to hopefully get through this without losing my voice or without getting to that place where it just becomes really obnoxious and annoying to listen to a person talk when their voice is clearly giving out, and um, it'll be a miracle if we make it through that, but uh, hopefully we will. I have high hopes. I'm praying that the throat spray would just be really powerful in this moment and sustaining. Um, I mentioned if you receive the weekly newsletters, if you don't and you want to, let us know. Uh, But I mentioned in the weekly newsletter that tends to go along with the previous Sunday's sermon, I mentioned that with a series like this, it can feel very overwhelming very quickly. And and it, it would be really easy. I felt this, okay, as the curator of this sermon series. I, I felt this. I walked away last week feeling like, oh, my, it's going to be impossible for someone to feel like they can walk away and not just have added a million things to their to-do list or boxes to check. Because it would be really easy to, to receive this series and, and hear, there are so many things that I'm not doing that I need to be doing as a Christian, Right? There's so many boxes that I'm not checking that I need to check. And if that's what you are receiving, I want to cause I want to ask you to pause, take a step back, and, and hear me this morning that that's not the goal of this series. The goal of this series is to not overwhelm you and make you feel like you're not doing enough and you just need to do a little bit more. Do you hear me? That's not my heart, and that's not what I want you to receive from this series. The goal of this series is that you would be awakened to maybe some new spiritual disciplines and practices, or maybe some deserted or neglected spiritual disciplines or practices, and that it would help you to see God and see God's work in your life in new and powerful ways. That's the goal of this series. Maybe it'll bring to mind a spiritual discipline that you've not thought of. Maybe you you thought, well, I never knew that was a spiritual practice, something that I could intentionally uh, practice in my everyday life. Maybe for some, it'll just be, you know what? It's been a long time. I need to return to this practice. The title of this series even is not to to assume that these practices or disciplines are deserted by all of you. Today especially, I look at today's and I don't want you to get the wrong message that you are not a serving people because overall you definitely are, but I don't ever want to assume that some of these wouldn't apply to some, right? Or that there are some who just need to be reminded but we're certainly not suggesting that these have been deserted by all. We don't see this at all, and we need to bring it back, right? That's also not what's happening here. And so I hope you'll hear my heart this morning, that understand it certainly with the practicalities of this series, it can feel overwhelming, but that's just to kind of get you thinking and and get you to a place where you can see, okay, here's what it might look like for God to move in this way through this particular practice. I shared last week that the overall goal of this series, my prayer is that we would allow the Holy Spirit to expand our imagination so that we can discover new and exciting ways of experiencing God. Don't we want that? 
Don't we long for that? I do. I certainly long for that. I hope you do as well. I also shared with you last week Adele Alberg Calhoun, who has written a book that has inspired this series. Uh, she shares this uh, much-needed reminder that spiritual practices are not magic, right? It's not going to change you by itself, but it puts you in a place to partner with the Holy Spirit to become an ever-fresh representative of Christ, She said, spiritual rhythms help us to contemplate in the face of God, Christ. And I would add to that and what it looks like for us to follow Jesus and see him at work in our lives. So this morning, if you are able, I'm going to invite you to stand as we read our passage today found in John, John chapter 12. We're going to be reading verses 23 through 26. The gospel writer John writes, Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it For eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. If you're thankful, would you say, Thanks be to God? You may be seated. So if you were to open up your Bibles or your Bible apps, which you may have already done, uh, but I, we kind of abandon that sometimes because we rely upon the screen, but if you were to open up your Bibles, you will notice that, you'll probably quickly notice that this passage is situated in the final days of Jesus's life, right? It's at this point that the crucifixion is quickly approaching, And Jesus is continuing to do what he's been doing all along, but he certainly, it seems like he feels an urgency to continue to prepare the disciples for what is to come, to kind of uh, get rid of any ideas of what they think is coming, right? And instead, enlighten them as to what is actually happening here. And so these words that Jesus shares that we just read have in mind two things. I think. From what I can tell, this passage has in mind what this life has been about for Jesus, that this is what he has come to do and this is what must happen. And then also, I think we see in this passage what it ought to be, what this life ought to be for us as followers of this Jesus. Jesus says, the time has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. For the Son of Man to be glorified. When we think of glorified, we we think of, of glory, right? I just picture Jesus shining brightly. He is in the perfect place with the Father, and there is no more sin or brokenness. It's just perfection. He's He is made whole and complete on the other side of death. And that's what we think about when maybe we think of glorified. And I think Jesus has that in mind, but there are first some things that need to happen. And so when he says it's time for for the Son of Man to be glorified, he is indicating that's going to happen in a very 
specific way that you might not be prepared for. You see, for this son of man to be glorified, he must first be crucified. He's going to die a very real death. So much so that he will no longer have breath in his lungs. He will be buried for three days. And then, after three days, he will be resurrected. He will stand before his disciples in all of his resurrected flesh. He will stay with them for a short period of time, and then he will ascend into heaven to be with the Father, where then he will receive full glorification. He will be fully glorified with the Father. And he explains what that is going to entail in this moment to the disciples, and he uses a very specific image. He uses this image of a, of a seed of grain, of a grain seed, to help the disciples to understand. This would have been very common. This would have been a common image that, that he knows the disciples would be able to understand. And I think it could be lost on us if we don't actually see what this looks like. And so I found a picture that I wanted to share with you this morning of the inner seed of a, of a grain, the seed of a grain. Do we have that? Oh, it's on there. Oh, do I need to do this? Oh, I thought you guys were doing this part. I'm sorry. Is this ready to go? I'm sorry. I didn't come up here and test this today. There we go. Okay, there it is. There is the anatomy of a grain, of a grain seed. And so I know it might be kind of hard to tell from where you're sitting, but right down here, we're in this lower left-hand corner, uh, it says germ, or that can also be understood as an embryo. So this seed has an embryo, and I learned this week that from a botanical standpoint, the embryo is already growing in the seed before it falls to the ground and is buried, right? The embryo is already growing. There's already life growing within this seed, but death and burial. And burial. Were my batteries actually dead? Oh, all right, were we good? <clears throat> maybe I don't need to say this part. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong in this. Holy Spirit, is that you? Okay. Should I just move over to this? If it's not my voice giving something else, right? If it's not one thing, it's something else. That's okay. We can roll with it. Okay, so as you can see in this image, I think that the imagery, the powerful imagery can be lost on you if you don't actually see it. I'm a visual learner. And so I appreciated seeing in this image that this embryo is already growing, but death and burial, if you will, for the seed is required so that the new life can break through and burst forth so that, so that growth can take place. And I love this because all tied up in this imagery that Jesus gives, there's this language of, of death and life, and then Jesus introduces language of this is what it means to be a servant. Christians often talk about servanthood, right? That's something that is talked about pretty often in these spaces, in these circles. But a lot of times what I see, not all the time, but a lot of times I think 
we reduce Christian service down to stacking chairs or maybe cleaning up some coffee that was spilled in the foyer. I'm just going to do that, right? I'm going to do my Christian duty and just clean this up or, or cleaning the toilets in the bathroom when there's no one else to do it. A lot of times we look at Christian service and that's kind of what we think of. These are certainly... This is not excluded from Christian service. It's not that you're not serving when you do these things. But I, the argument might, might, should be made that I don't think this is what Jesus had in mind when he was talking about servanthood, when he was talking about what it looks like to follow him and therefore serve like he serves and love like he loves. I don't think that it's reduced down to just stacking chairs or to just showing up to help clean the building. See, and I know this, and we talk about this a lot, bear with me, but I think this is important to always have at the front of our minds. That from the very beginning, if we go back to the book of Genesis, we see that God has always had a particular image in mind, a particular idea in mind for his people. We see this in and through the call of Abraham in Genesis 18, God says, Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and what is just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. God has always sought to bless the earth through his people. That has been God's plan for humanity since the garden, and that continued to be the plan after the fall, and we see that renewed in and through the calling of Abraham and in and through the nation of Israel that will come through his line. Thank you so much. How did you know I needed that? Forgive me. It's just, ugh, I feel like a mess up here. And so God has always sought to work through his people to be a blessing to others. Okay? The world, so here's another way you can look at this. The world will see God in one way. The world will see God through God's people who will be a blessing to those around them. That's one way that people can see God. So then we fast forward to Jesus. And all of you just said, Whew, okay, good. We're not going through the whole thing. Fast forward to Jesus, God incarnate, God in the flesh. We talk about this a lot, again, that God's people do not always live into this calling, right? That there are many times where they abandon this call to be a blessing to those around them, to work for the good and the flourishing of humankind around them. Right? And it's not that the chairs were not being stacked. That's not the problem here. It's not that the, the toilets weren't being cleaned. It's that it was a much bigger problem that orphans and widows were being neglected. The oppressed and the chained were still bound. The poor were not receiving help and love from the church. People were not being freed from from their life of, of sin and destruction. And so God comes down. He moves into the neighborhood, as we have said, and reveals through Jesus what this was supposed to look like all along. 
And one of the things that Jesus says that indicates for us what exactly he came to do, Jesus says, I am among you as one who serves. I'm coming to show you that this is what God always had in mind for his people, that the life I live is meant to be reflected by you. I'm going to show you exactly what this is supposed to look like, and you are going to model it. And when the world sees you, ideally they will see my Father. That's what's happening here for Jesus. And so throughout Jesus' entire ministry, he modeled what a life of service looks like. Go through the Gospels, right? It's important that you walk regularly through the Gospels so that it can always be at the front of your mind that this is what a life of service looks like. Jesus did this all the time, every day. And additionally, he would tell stories and he would declare teachings that all pointed to a life of loving God and loving others in response to that love for God. We often see this in and through the so well-known story of the Good Samaritan, right? This was a, a beautiful example, a poignant example that Jesus uses, that in the story of the Good Samaritan, we see someone who serves another who has been declared by his peers as enemy. This is an enemy. You should avoid him. You should stay away from him. The religious leaders are modeling this for you, right? This is an enemy. This is a no-go. You leave them alone, and he goes and serves anyways. We see depicted in this story that one is, one is called to serve even when it's not convenient. And friends, I'm just going to tell you, most of the time, it's not going to be convenient. It's not going to be scheduled in your, your daily activities a lot of times. It's going to come out of the blue, and it's going to be inconvenient, and you might have to sacrifice some things to make time for it. We see that in the story of the Good Samaritan. We see in this story depicted that, that serving might and probably will cost you something. It's costly. It, it might cost you financially. It's going to cost your time. You're going to have to make sacrifices again. We see depicted in the story of the Good Samaritan that one is called to serve not because your church scheduled an official serving event, but because you saw a need in your neighborhood and you met that need. You saw someone struggling. You saw someone who wasn't flourishing the way God intended them to flourish. And so you showed up for them and you pointed them to God and you pointed them to a life of flourishing. That doesn't always happen. That should not always happen, rather, through a, a local church's scheduled events, right? It can happen. I'm not saying that it has to be one or the other, either private service or, or corporate service, community service, but don't just wait for the church to schedule these things for you. Every single day, we should be open and looking to offer, for opportunities to serve our neighbor, to serve the people that are right in front of us, to see them and to serve them. That cannot all depend upon your local church. And yet, I want to reemphasize that everything we do is best done in community. 
And so certainly we are not called to serve alone and isolated. We keep going and we receive what we need from our church community and that allows us to go and to serve all the more. Does that make sense? We come together to do it. We're not alone doing this. But I think that 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 should also be stated, that it's not all going to happen through the scheduling of your local church body. In the story of the Good Samaritan, again, we see an example of what it looks like for someone to see someone who is not flourishing, and then you respond by doing what God has created you to do to be a blessing. And throughout Jesus' entire life and ministry, he demonstrates what it looks like to let go of a life that is focused on getting ahead, gaining power, coming out on top, being the one who is always served. And instead, we see in Jesus that he lets all of that go, and we see someone who is incredibly generous and at times reckless with the way he loves. I've had people approach me at various times throughout my ministry, whenever I talk about the way that Jesus recklessly and radically loves his, his enemies, and they say things that indicate that, that that's not really meant for us, that that was just meant for Jesus, right? They, people don't really want to believe that we are also called to love as radically as Jesus loved. That is hard for a lot of Christians. And so we reason it away. We think, surely, we'll get to that too. I like how Adele Albert Calhoun says, the Christian discipline of service is the way the world discovers the love of God. We are the way God blesses the earth. Christians are the very presence of God to others. We become God's vehicle of blessing on planet earth. Okay, let's take a pause and, and get to the practicalities of this. Uh, last week I shared with you that we'll kind of look at three different practical standpoints of each of these disciplines. This is where it gets a little teachery feeling and it can get a little bit maybe boring and overwhelming, so hang with me. But I just want to give you an idea of what this looks like practically so that you can be open to seeing it in your everyday life, okay? And so what does a serving disciple look like? What are some practices of service for the Christian? And I, I think a good one that should be, should be known and should be talked about is simply being what you profess. That if you call yourself a Christian, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, that means you better be willing to serve like he served, and you better be willing to love as he loved. Always. There are no exceptions. We always are ready to love like he loved and to serve like he served. If you call yourself a Christian, this is implied. So we'll start there. That's a good place to start, right? Uh, certainly doing things like service projects, that, that this is a practice of service, right? Com gathering together or partnering together with your local community, whether that's just the community in which you live or your faith community, and going on mission trips together. I know that's something this church has done before, and that's good. That's a way to practice service, volunteering on your own time or through, through your local church. Like we said, we talk about this one a lot, supporting foster care. That is a way that the Christian serves. 
That's a way that the Christian serves that is biblical, that responds to a biblical mandate. Show up for the orphans, for the fatherless, for those who don't have an advocate. Show up for them, fight for them, stand in the gap for them. We talk about that all the time, but here's your friendly reminder. That's what we seek to to do when we partner with places like Restore Network. It's the church responding to what the church has always been called to respond to. A prison ministry is another idea of what this looks like, showing up for people who don't have anyone to show up for them. Everyone else has abandoned them. Everyone else has given up on them. Everyone else has neglected them. And that's a beautiful place for the church to step in and show what God can do. Another one that we see is mentoring, taking time to invest in someone, discipling them, taking time to walk them through what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus and just being willing to pour yourself into that person. Using your influence to better the lives of others. Think of something you have that other people don't have, and then go and use what you have to help make someone else's life better who doesn't have what you have. Are you tracking? Are you following me? Overall, we're seeking to use our gifts, looks different for everyone, to build the kingdom of God. This is never an exhaustive list, by the way. You know that, right? We'd be here all week. So this one answers, why is this important? Why does this matter? What is the God-given fruit that we see when we live a life of service, when we practice this spiritual discipline of serving others? And one of the fruits that you'll see is that you are giving yourself to others in service of Jesus, right? Like that's just what you do. It's how you live. People will look at you and they will see no matter what comes up, that person is always just responding to any needs and they're just living a life of service. It's not separated from your identity. It's who you are. That is a God-given fruit when you are faithful in serving, when you practice the spiritual discipline. Seeing your neighbors as real and important, not just seeing them as people who live over there, away from you. It's seeing them as important, they matter, they are valuable, and you take the effort and the time to love them as yourself. Uh, This is an important fruit to acknowledge with serving, is that you recognize the difference between a Messiah complex and knowing how to love others well and sacrificially. In other words, you understand that it's not your job to save everyone, right? You understand that you cannot do this for everyone. That's why we're doing this together, right? You, you have a healthy understanding and awareness of that, that you are not a savior, that you are not the one offering salvation, but that you simply know how to love others well and sacrificially when there's an opportunity. Does that make sense? Rooting out injustice, Right? Finding areas where, where justice is not being lived out. We call it out and we work for it. That's what it looks like to serve. Seriously caring, again, for the widows and the orphans and the oppressed. Guess what? People are going to see the church and they're going to be like, yeah, the church does that. That's what they do. It's not shocking. It's not surprising. There's not like an all call out to the church. It's just the church doing what the church has always been called to do. And if we practice serving, then... That's what the world is going to see. It's receiving 
receiving interruptions as opportunities to do good. Volunteering your time and your talents and treasures for the good of others is just something that comes naturally. It's something that you just do. And being free to leave your comfort zone and risk yourself in service. This is the God-given fruit of a Christian who practices the spiritual discipline of serving. And then finally, just some practical ways that you can, as we say, flex this spiritual muscle. Here's some exercises that you can kind of get this going. Over the next few weeks, intentionally ask your spouse, your roommate, your colleague, someone that you see or interact with on a regular basis and ask them, what can I do for you today? And then you do it. I know, it's crazy. You just do it. You ask them and you do it. And it's it's talking to God about, God, what would you have me do for this person? How would you have me love this person? How can I continue to love and serve this person in a very real way? Develop a yearly practice of involving yourself in one intentional service, mission, or relief project. This is not a box to check. This is, not, this is the one thing I'm going to do so I can practice serving right? But it's committing to at least one big thing that you can partner with other people and you can go and you can do. And you just consider which type of project speaks to some of the longings of my own heart and then you're willing to get involved in those things and you make a commitment. This is a a good one. It's hard for us, but I think it can be helpful. Ask those who know you to give you their take on what your spiritual gifts are. Ask someone who knows you well to say, hey, what do you think I'm gifted at? What, what kind of spiritual gifts do you think God has given me? Know who you're talking to. It needs to be someone that, that sees you as a Christian, knows you, knows your heart, understands you, right? And someone that can use discernment and wisdom through the Holy Spirit to, to point out what those gifts are. And then plan a way of using those gifts to bless others soon, the immediate future. And finally, this one just is we can't ever leave this one out, to consider how God has gifted you to serve in your church community. Because again, we do this together. We are the body and everyone has their role. Everyone has a part. And so we always ought to be considering where you feel led to serve if you're not already serving. I've already said a lot of you do. And so this is kind of, it's not relevant for everyone, but probably for some people, okay? So those are just some practicalities. We're nearing the end here. I want to end with this because I think that this is really important to follow up everything else we've talked about. Typically, when we talk about service, we talk about humble service, right? Humility is intertwined in a lot of these spiritual disciplines. It's part of being human. It's part of being in the presence of an awe-inspiring God. We are humbled. Right? And we talk about humble service a lot. And one of the things that we think about when we think about humble service is Jesus washing the disciples' feet in John 13. Hang with me. We talk about this a lot, but I, I, I have understood this passage in a whole new way this week. And I, want you to, I don't want you to miss it. In this moment, in John 13, we, we have this scene of Jesus who is a teacher and a respected rabbi. Don't forget that. And he's taking the place of a servant, and in doing so, he demonstrates his love for his friends in a ridiculous, radical, and powerful way. Like I said, I was really thankful for a one scholarly interpretation I came across this week. 
that reminded me of this, that at this point, even though Jesus had, had worked really hard to help the disciples to see what was not happening, what is happening, even at this point, the disciples were still expecting some kind of revolutionary Jesus. Even if a lot of those ideas and images had been removed, I think there were still some who were expecting to share in his glory, okay? Even if it wasn't all through a revolution, there were some who still expected that they were going to get to share in his glory, that, oh, Jesus, it's time for you to be glorified. Well, it's time for me to be glorified too, right? We're going to share in your glory. We're going to be participants. We're going to receive. We're going to sit at your right and your left, right? That's what the disciples were still expecting in some way, that they would share in Jesus' glory. And so imagine when, when Jesus takes the lowest position possible, he gets on the floor to wash their dirty, disgusting feet, and it's shocking and somewhat humiliating that he would do this. And Peter, we know, says, no, Jesus, you will never wash my feet. No, I won't let you. You won't do that. This is where it gets really important. If you remember or if you're not aware, a rabbi-disciple relationship was a powerful bond in which a disciple's identity was defined by who his master was. In other words, what the disciple was saying is, I'm linking my identity with Jesus' identity. When the world, what, what the world sees in him, they're going to see in me. Everything I am is going to be found in this Jesus. That's what a disciple is essentially saying. And that sounds really good when your rabbi is seemingly the most powerful man in Israel and he's about to, the stuff's about to go down. Like, watch out. It's about to go down. And in this point, at this point, I'm really glad and excited that my identity is found in that guy. But what happens when that guy has just taken the most humiliating posture known to man next to that is dying bare on a cross. Stacking chairs sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Stacking chairs, I'll just sign up for that. That sounds a lot better than what this guy is doing. Is it possible that Peter in this moment is contemplating that Jesus would not wash his feet, not to protect Jesus' honor, but to protect his own. Because in this moment, Peter realizes, I'm going to have to do that too. This is going to be required of me. Jesus is destroying his honor, and he's going to ask me to destroy mine. Jesus is de deconstructing his pride. He's going to ask me to deconstruct mine. Whose honor is Peter protecting here? Is it Jesus or is it his own? Sky Jatani, he says this. He says, in short, this is about followers of Jesus who have crucified their own desires across the board. And they are set free to truly, truly love and serve like Jesus. That's what's being asked of us today. A life of serving modeled by Jesus should not be reduced to simply stacking chairs or signing up to be on the cleanup committee. It's about daily dying to the idea that this life 
is about me coming out on top. That this life is about me getting ahead and me getting mine. And it's about taking up the call again and again and again to see others and to serve them as Jesus would and does. I got to repeat this again. God has always sought to work through his people to be a blessing to others. And service is rooted in seeing. You have to see others as God sees them. Certainly, we won't shy away from it. Jesus' words in this passage today indicates that a radical service kind of love for others demonstrates whether we know God or not. Friends, that should not be received lightly. I'm going to invite the praise team to come. And as always, we will take an opportunity to respond to what the Holy Spirit is teaching us, not to what Pastor Nicole is teaching us, but to what the Holy Spirit is teaching us, how this is finding a place in my heart. And as we prepare to do that, I just want to remind you of two things, that I think all of this boils down to two things. That if we claim to love Jesus, if we claim to follow this Jesus, if we claim the label of Christian, then we must love the way Jesus loved and serve the way Jesus served. There's no question. That's what it looks like to follow Jesus, to see others' needs as greater than your own, to love them as you love yourself. And the second thing, because we spent a lot of time talking about that, The second thing that I don't want to be lost on us today is maybe there are people here who say, I can't do what you're asking me to do because I am unseen. I can't show up for others and see others because I am still unseen. I feel like I have not been seen. And I would say that there's always, there should always be an appropriate space for you to, to talk about that with the Lord and identify if that's truly what's happening. But I think there are cases when we do feel like we are not seen, that we haven't been seen. So how can we see and serve others when we haven't received that? And for those of you who feel that this morning, I just want to say that Jesus sees you. Even if others have failed to see you and they have failed to love you and to serve you, Jesus sees you. And perhaps there is no greater image of Jesus seeing you than imagining him getting down on the dirty, dusty floor to wash your dirty, dusty feet. Friends, Jesus sees us. He sees you. And you cannot see and serve others until you acknowledge how Jesus has seen and has served you. And it's only in response to this kind of love that that we can love and serve in the way that Jesus has called us to love and serve. Let's pray. Jesus, we just invite you in these moments to help us to see what it is you want us to see today. 
And God, the reality is that there may be many people here who feel like serving is not a deserted discipline for him or for her. And so God, if that's true, then then we just would pray that in this moment that you would see us again. That we would once again feel seen and loved by you. And we respond and then we then go and we see and serve and love others. And God, for those of us who are just feeling a little convicted, God, we, we just recognize the weight of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And that we should not wear that label loosely or lightly. That if we claim this label, then we truly ought to be living a life of radical and reckless service. Making it every day's mission, every moment's mission to see and to serve others. God, you've always given us a vision of what this looks like. Would you just help us to see that clearly once again? Would you help us to, in this moment, in our hearts, declare that you are king of all? That you are king of all, you are Lord of all, and we lay everything else down and we say yes to Jesus again. And through the power of your Holy Spirit that fills us and sustains us, we can go and love the way you created us. And the hope is that the world would see what a life of flourishing can really mean for them. It's only through your power and your grace. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. I really hope whatever you just said is not catching. <laughs> Holy Spirit, protect me. Lord, wow. I, it says in 1 John that we love because he first loved us. So I just want to invite you this morning to receive. We serve because we were served. Jesus said when he washed the disciples' feet, I'm doing this because this is what I want you to go and do. But he was willing to do it. Not just tell us to do it, but he did it. He gave his life for us. So before we go out and serve, first we receive. So if you would stand, if you're able, or sit, or kneel, as always, these altars are open. Your private seat altar is open. There's corner, dark corners in the room. If you need a moment. Whatever you're doing on the outside, I pray that on the inside, you're able to run to the Father this morning. His arms are wide open. And he wants to give you something. Because we give out of what we have received. Amen. Let's worship him.
I'll 
Well, I can't help but think about something totally unrelated, kind of related, but um, I've been your pastor for almost two years now, and um, I, I keep thinking that we'll get to this place, thank you, Larry, when, when I will be able to preach a sermon that is less than 30 minutes, because all of the experts tell you, you know, 15 to 20 minutes. And it turns out that if a week of the flu and losing your voice and not knowing if you're even going to be able to preach and having like a day or less to kind of get it all together, and then your voice is like starting to give out, if there was ever a day for me to lean into a 15, 20-minute sermon, today would be that day, and it's just not possible. Like, I just don't know what to tell you. It is what it is. And I just never run out of things to say when it comes to something I feel passionate about. And I feel like the Lord just continues to bring things up that I can't not say. And so I'm, I'm just sorry. It is what it is. This week was the test. And we're just, I don't know that we'll ever get there. So, Bo, don't make any comments about it because I already know. <laughs> I already know. All right. Let me just share. I know you're standing. I'm not going to keep you standing too long. Uh, just share a few quick announcements with you, some things that are going on in the life of the church. Bottles are still out there. I don't have a date when we're collecting those, but I know it's sometime in February. So we're kind of coming in close to that. So uh, do with that what you are able to. If you still want to take one and, and collect some change or anything, you can still certainly do that. But those are going to be coming back soon. Lunch Bunch is going to be meeting this Wednesday, January 25th. That's going to be at Chevy's. And Team Day, a, a final day where the district can come together and kind of learn and, and share inspiration with each other, kind of gain ideas and insights from other churches. Uh, that's going to be happening again on the 28th of January. That's next Saturday. Um, I think the deadline to sign up for that is this week. And so um, if you are interested, go ahead and jump on there and register uh, that'll be a, a helpful, informing uh, time. So with that, friends, as you're standing, let me leave you with this benediction. That you are seen and you are loved. I pray that you would never stop running to the Father. That's one thing I, I was thinking about is what would it look like if some of these folks actually ran to Jesus today? Like, that would be crazy, and we would probably all think, weird things, but that makes me sad. This is a really weird benediction, but may you never stop running to the Father. Don't ever stop. And may you go from this place. May you see others. May you truly see them, and may you love and serve them as Jesus has called you to. You are loved. You are dismissed. Have a great day.